thought he had concealed his crime that it was hidden it was away and that's what happens a lot of time a lot of times we as christians we do something wrong and we try to hide it we look for a place to bury it and nobody will ever find out this thing this horrible act that we've done maybe it happened in your bc days or maybe it's happened just yesterday And so we try to hide this thing, and the Bible tells us that, you know what, our sins will find us out. Sin is part of every person's life, even yours. You may not like to admit it, but sin happens every day. It can be as small as a little white lie, but everything that's done outside of God's will is something that needs to be dealt with. The tendency of most people, though, is to sweep it under the rug. You want to hide it from other people and from God. In today's message, Pastor Mark will ask you to take that sin out of its hiding place and hand it over to your Creator. He already knows about it. You really can't hide anything from God. You'll feel much better once you've revealed your wrong and accepted grace to cover it. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 13 with today's edition of Come Alive. If you know anything about David, you know that he's an awesome guy, pretty much. That he's just as human as you and I are. He had great victories as a king and he had some pretty, well... As a king and a commander, he had great victories, but as a human, just like you and I, he had some really rough spots in his life, and under his own roof, he had even had some great defeats, and and sometimes that's where some of our greatest defeats will happen is under our own roof, but we need to remember that it's a time that the Lord sometimes uses with those defeats to call us back, to bring us back, and even if you remember last week, we were talking about love being patient and love being kind, you know, that love is patient Patience isn't, well, Lord, I have been patient, I've been waiting, so it's about time, or I've served my time, it's been long enough. That's not patience when we have to put a time frame or a kind of a draw the line, so to speak, type of a thing. Lust does that. Lust says it's about time something happens. And we saw that happen last week with one of David's sons, Amnon, and what took place was the rape of his sister, a half-sister, but lust says it's about time this take place. It's about time this happen. Love isn't boastful. That's another one of those First Corinthians chapter 13s. It's not boastful. Love doesn't say, man, remember that, that great gift I got you, babe? How awesome that was? Or love isn't boastful in the sense that, man, that was a great dinner last night, honey. Um, remember how good that was? That was, that was really good. Love doesn't brag. It doesn't constantly need reassurance that that thing is an awesome gift or that guy or that girl is an awesome girl. See, if you're boasting about being loving or caring, then that really isn't love. If you have to boast about it, if you have to tell someone you've been patient long enough, when? That may not really be love either. 
See, a lot of times, you know, people, when they have to let you know how long they've been loving you and how long they've been there and how long they've done this and how long they've been kind, then that's pretty much a pride issue. And so last week, we looked at a horrible act that Amnon had done. Amnon thought and claimed and said that he was in love. And we saw what true love was. We broke it down to some of the Greek words. We're not going to go over that again. If you took your notes, then you can refresh your own memory. But we discovered that he had lusted after his sister. He had lusted after her. And after a horrible act, he winds up realizing that it wasn't really true love after all. Because he winds up, it says, hating her as greater than the love he thought he had for her. So he fell into mortal sin. And that mortal sin causes a lot of problems that we will see here in the next few chapters. And so after this horrible act of realizing that this was not love, that he wasn't in love, falling into this mortal sin, we learned from his mistakes, from what the Bible tells us, and from what God allows us to see, that we should not and cannot trust in our feelings or our own emotions. That when it becomes feeling-based and emotion-based, then as fast as it comes, it can go away. A lot of times, even in a church, people will, oh yeah, this is what I need. I need to come to church and it's an emotional thing. You might cry during worship. You might cry during the message. But if it's just emotions and it's not anything that is a real change, then it doesn't last for long because feelings come and go. The way I felt about a puppy or a thing that I purchased will come and go. The new car, so to speak. You get a new car, you feel great about it for a little while, but eventually it becomes an old car and this piece of junk you need to trade in for another new car. That's a feeling, that's an emotion. It may even be a fact, but yet the way you feel about that car in the beginning, we need to take a very real look because feelings and emotions, if you make decisions based off of just feelings and emotions, well, those things, those decisions are going to be as strong as those feelings and emotions for a moment. Kind of like one time at Calvary Albuquerque, I met a young man, and he goes, dude, he goes, I'm so in love. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, I just, I was like, you weren't in love yesterday. He goes, I think I met the girl of my dreams, and I'm in love with this girl. And I was like, well, show me who she is. And he points at this girl. He never really met her. He just saw her. And he points to her, and I'm like, bro, I have news for you. That girl's married. And he goes, oh, then I'm not in love. That's the way emotions and feelings work. Oh, man, I'm in love with that. Well, she's married, then I'm not in love. Then you're really, you're basing things that you're really, man, that's just a feeling or an emotion. It's easy to try to make a decision based off of feelings and emotions, but we should never do that. And so what we see today is Amnon's guilt taking over. If you look with me in verse 18 of chapter 13, we'll pick up there. Speaking about Tamar, It says, now she had on a robe of many colors, for the king's virgin's daughters wore such apparel. And his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. Then Tamar put ashes on her head, tore her robe of many colors that was on her, and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, has Amnon, your brother, been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He's your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. 
She goes to her full brother. Now, if you weren't here last week, Amnon being a half-brother, Amnon's a half-brother, Absalom's a full brother. David had many wives, and so Tamar and Absalom were from another mother, so to speak, in David's house. They have the same dad. David is their father, but Amnon and Tamar had a different mom. And so Amnon's being her half-brother has lusted after her, thought he was in love with her because she was so beautiful. And we read here about she had a robe of many colors. And so what happens here, this robe, she tears her robe, the one that's got many colors, and it suggests, and what it does is it tells suitors, men who are interested, young men, available young men, that she is a virgin and that she is available, that she is pure, She's available to be someone's wife. And so what she does, because now she has been defiled, she tears that robe that says, hey, this is who I am. I'm an available person. She puts ashes on her head. And Tamar correctly treated this as a calamity and didn't hide the truth. She didn't hide the truth. That terrible crime was committed against her. She didn't try to hide it. She didn't give place to shame's voice saying this was somehow your fault. She didn't give that place to it. But see, here's what happened. Her brother Absalom comes along and asks the question, has your brother been with you? Amnon probably thought he had concealed his crime, that it was hidden, it was away. And that's what happens a lot of time. A lot of times we as Christians, we do something wrong and we try to hide it. We look for a place to bury it. And nobody will ever find out this thing, this horrible act that we've done. Maybe it happened in your BC days or maybe it's happened just yesterday. And so we try to hide this thing and the Bible tells us that, you know what, our sins will find us out. We'll be found out. Because you're really not hiding anything. I mean, you can hide it from me and you may pull it off and hide it from me forever. And that's not a big deal. But you cannot hide it from God. Because if God sees all and knows all, and even knows all your thoughts, then what are you really hiding or trying to hide? And so Amnon probably thought he had concealed his crime. Nevertheless, it was so obvious to Absalom that he immediately knew that Amnon, his half-brother, was responsible. Part of the blindness of lust basically leads to a lustful man or woman to believe that their actions are not obviously apparent to others. And I'll say this, I know from experience in my own life, that when there's sin in my life, it is out there for all to see. Not because I advertise it, but in my past, every time I tried to hide something, it was always found out by another human. Not just God, because God knows, but by another human. And so the minute you think you're hiding something, most of the time, most people know that what you're going through already. They've already figured it out. And so Tamar didn't go to her father because, well, she basically knew that he tended to write things off that the boys had done. Oh, boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. He tended to be a little more indulgent to his sons and excuse all kinds of evil in them. I remember when I was a kid, me and a friend decided one evening that it would be cool to steal a neighbor's car. And so we woke up real late, and I remember him and another friend of mine were plotting how to steal the car. And they lived in a pretty decent neighborhood, and where I came from, 
Well, it was known that cars would be stolen in the neighborhood I lived in. And so they woke me up and they said, hey, Mark. I was yeah. Hey, dude, our neighbors got this real cool Oldsmobile 442 and we want to take it for a ride. And I was like, all right. And they were like, how do you steal a car? And I was like, well, I can show you. And so I thought I'd just call their bluff because I thought, well, these kids are what we called neighborhood kids, what house kids. You know, I lived in an apartment project. And so I thought, well, I'll just call their bluff and see what they do. So they said, what do we need to do? So I said, well, first got to get out of this house. And since it's your house, what's the quietest door in the place? And like all the doors squeak. Like, does your mom have any Crisco? Are there any kids in here? Because I don't want to corrupt anyone. <laughs> all right. So anyway. Back to business. Anyway, so I'm like, just get some Crisco and rub it on the hinges and open it real slow, a little by little, and more and more, and then eventually it'll, and they're like, how do you know this? I was like, because I sneak out all the time. I know. And so we get out of their house, we go into the neighbor's house, and they're like, thought we were going to steal the car. And I was like, yeah, we got it. We need the keys. And they're like, what about hot wiring it? And I was like, oh, no, 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 dude. You steal the keys. And if the police catch us, we just take the keys out and run with them and then take them back and put them in. And since you said they were older, well, we can always play off their nuts. So they said, well, how do we do that? I said, we got to get into their house. So we literally did. Got in their house, looked around, found some keys, and it was in a little washroom area. And it was a neighborhood where at that time, I guess people didn't lock doors. We got the car, we were driving around, sure enough. Being as dumb as I was back then, I thought the word prohibited, which sounded like permission to me, meant we could do it. We were driving and doing donuts in a park. And we got busted. And I remember I took the keys out and I jumped down and ran through the creek and we ran back to my buddy's house and we laid down like we were asleep. Except the problem was our feet were muddy, our pants were wet. And the police show up and asked if we'd been outside. My friend's dad's like, no, yelling and cussing and screaming at the cops. He almost gets arrested. And they said, well, can we see the boys and... Sure enough, here we are with wetness from our knees down to our shoes, mud on our face. Luckily, we put the keys back, but they knew we had done it. They gave us a warning, which I wish they would have taken us to jail because what my friend had to go through after that was worse than jail. And so anyway, the next day, his mom and dad take me home, and they tell him what we've done. And my mom's first thing out of her mouth is, Boys will be boys. She didn't punish me, though I knew I deserved to be punished. Felt bad for my two friends that were getting punished probably at that moment, but thought, wow. And I never really thought at that moment that my mom was really cool. I just thought, cool, I can get away with bigger things. And that led from one thing to another. It was never really discussed any further than that. I was never told not to do it again. And so I started sneaking her car out. And when i go visit my dad, I'd sneak his car out. And even when I got busted one time by my dad's girlfriend from sneaking her cool Z28 Camaro out and taking it for a ride all night long and muddying it up pretty bad, and my dad said the same thing is, he's just a boy. Never was that corrected. So what that allowed me to do is to break into bigger and better cars and things. And just steal, because it seemed okay with mom and dad. It should be okay with everyone. And so it never went, as I got caught, I never got punished. Until one day, the 
Dallas police decided to show me what punishment was, and I realized then that it was a wrong thing to do. And so sometimes, you know, by staying quiet or oh, just writing it off and letting people indulge in all kinds of evil, it doesn't help. It actually hurts. You might think you're being merciful and kind and loving, but you're really creating a monster, so to speak. Look at verse 20. Again, it says, And Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He's your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. She's depressed. She is bummed out. She has been raped. She has been violated. She has been defiled. Her whole life at this point is pretty much really over. Her robe is ripped. Anything that says, hey, I'm an available woman, I'm pure, I'm ready to be married, is gone. It's over with. And so she has lost access to the king's court. And I know some of you know men and women and boys and girls. I know we know and understand that they're different. But do we really understand how different they are? Do we see that here? Do you see what this boy says? Oh, hey, you know what? It's all right. Shake it off. That is not good counsel. That is not good counsel. Absalom says, it's no big deal. He's your brother. It's the get over it type of counsel. See, her body was violated by someone who made no commitment to her. And she's thinking, man, I have no commitment made to me, and now I'm going to be looked upon and looked down upon. I'm going to be looked upon as just trash, useless. And see, if we're different physically as guys and girls, men, we know that. But the thing on this side of the podium, I guess you could say, is a lot of times we don't realize that we're different mentally and emotionally and sometimes even spiritually. So her heart is crushed. And the guy says, come on, get over it. Just take a deep breath and walk this thing out. But her shame is deep. It's not going to wash out like the ashes in her hair. Proverbs 5.9, in context, it's a wise mom talking about an adulterous woman and says, saying, the minute you're with her, that adulterous woman... Say goodbye to your honor. That goes for guys and girls. The Bible tells us. It tells a wise mom telling a son, the minute you're with an adulterous woman, just say goodbye to your honor. Verse 21 says, But when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. But if you notice in the rest of the verses, it doesn't say he does anything. He doesn't do anything. See, here's what happened. Dad's angry. Dad's mad. Oh, I can't believe this guy. But in his head, he says, I can't say anything because, well, David sees the same sin in his son. Actually, his sin, David's sin was worse. But he doesn't do anything because his son could say, well, hey, you know, a few chapters back, Dad, you and old Bathsheba, guess what happened? And then what you had done to her husband? Oh, really? You're going to come down on me for this? And this isn't as bad as what you've done. See, the brother doesn't say anything good or bad is what the Bible tells us. And Absalom spoke to his brother, verse 22, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. Nothing good 
or bad. So he knows he needs to be having a dudefrontation, a confrontation with his son. And even Absalom knows there needs to be some type of communication going on, but nobody says anything. Absalom's like, let's just let it go. Do we have to bring this thing up again? Because, you know, it's going to be hurtful. It could cause problems in the family. And after all, the family's important. Well, we're going to see some problems that it causes by being quiet. See, can't we just let this thing go to sleep? Can't we just let sleeping dogs lie? Whatever the phrase is that you've used to silence something bad. Well, the problem with a sleeping dog is eventually it wakes up. It'll wake up. And if it's a mean, bad sleeping dog, it's going to wake up mean and bad. And so in Proverbs it says, the man who commits adultery lacks understanding. The man who commits adultery lacks understanding. David is this man. He's lacking some understanding. I think Solomon, his son, knew some of this and wrote some of these things based off of the experience he had in this palace, in this household. See, he was missing something. Here's something that's missing from Absalom is he was missing. He wasn't connected to Christ. The guy in, in the Proverbs, the man who commits adultery lacks understanding, he was missing something. He wasn't connected to God. He wasn't connected to Christ. He's not recognizing his responsibility or what his moral obligation is. And he marches and he walks right into sin and continues in sin. So this man sins and now repents and he realizes he shouldn't have done that. But you know what? Does repentance imply restitution or restoration? Not at all. Repentance just means you turn from your sin, you stop it. Repentance doesn't imply restoration. Not at all. So there are things that need to change. Understanding is what God does for us in this book. And we need to understand that, that God does something for us in this book. He says, yeah, you need to repent. But as you know my word and you do these things and you abide by what I write in here and you surrender yourself to my son, Jesus Christ, as he points to me, as he has sent you a helper called the Holy Spirit to convict, to encourage and exhort, then as you do those things, then yeah, there is some change that will take place, but not because of your own strength, never because of what I can do personally or you can do personally, but what God can do through us. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, 
We'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.